Hey everyone, welcome to the Hot Takes Podcast, where we're always seeking to be humble, open, and transparent. We are about to have some fun. I hope you're ready. Thank you for being here, and enjoy. Hey everyone. Hey everyone. How's it going? We are back. We are back with another hot takes where we're always seeking to be humble, open, and transparent. Y'all know I got a Jones in my bones for some leadership. And today we have a treat. We have Dr. Gloria Hardy, who is not only a student of leadership, she's not only a practitioner of leadership, but She's just as giddy about it as I am. Dr. Gloria, how's it going? I love your enthusiasm. You get me all psyched up for it. <laughs> I'm great. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. And so I tell I tell uh, everybody when when they think about the guests that come on to um, the Hot Takes podcast, we all we find each other through these various channels. And, I, and I'm so grateful for people in, in my community uh, that first connected me with you. Uh, and and our, our friend out there, Kim Clark, um, who connected us from the coaching side of things. But she, as soon as I said organizational leadership, she was like, oh, I got somebody for you to meet. <laughs> um, and so before we get rolling on the topic of leadership, nothing more, nothing less. Can you please, Dr. Gloria, introduce yourself to the world where you are and then we'll get rolling. Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, actually, I'm in Orlando, Florida. So I'm in uh, sunny Orlando, Florida right now. It's gorgeous weather. And I know everybody's not happy about hearing that. Um, I worked for the Disney company for 41 years. And I worked both as a leader as well as a leader of leaders in operations, training and development. And then my last gig for 10 years was with the college program education team. I oversaw all of the college education processes and any of the curriculum that we offered our interns during their stint with an internship at Disney. Um, most recently, I am a consultant, a leadership development coach and consultant locally here in Orlando. And um, I think that's a quick little snapshot. That's not even a, a nickel tour. <laughs> so I always like to ask people because Here's the deal. And, and again, this is not lost on anyone that uh, you could throw a rock and hit a leadership book. Um, you you could throw a, throw a rock and hit a coach. Uh, you could throw a rock and hit somebody who has read a chapter out of any book. And now all of a sudden they're a pontificating thought leader. Um, but what in the world made you start to study leadership? Um, I was working as an operator and what was called a lead. Think of it like a foreman at Disney and operations. And I just liked leading those individuals. And I started taking classes. They offered classes at Disney. So in the evening, I would go to classes um, so I could learn more about what I was doing and how I could do it even better. And I, to be honest with you, became a lifelong learner. 
I was going also at the same time, going to Valencia College at the time and working on my AA degree. So I was constantly in that learning mode and I wanted to become better at what I was doing. So I think that was just that passion of taking care of the people that were working with me that drove me to continuously learn. Oh my goodness. So, so those, and again, those have, that have been previous speakers know, um, me and you, we I got the pleasure of having a conversation with you before today. Um, and I'll tell y'all that was for me, y'all that wasn't for, for, for the, for the episode. That was all for me. Um, so that I can be a student because I am such, um, I just don't love the idea of leadership, but I love the practicality of when it's put into practice, um, what a game changer it is. And I really truly believe leadership is truly around influence. And when you think about some of the elements that are important to you about the practice of leadership and the study of leadership, how does something like servant leadership play a part in, in what you've come to understand about the topic of leadership? Um, well, I have to say that um, that was one of the studying that I had done was about servant leadership. There's all these different levels of leadership, all these um theories and techniques. Well, once you get to the level of servant leadership, you have this understanding that it's no longer people just being an asset to get the job done. It's what are you as the leader doing to help them grow, help them do a better job and their performance and their development so they are more committed to the work that they're doing they are being more creative and finding ways to do the job better. So it's improving the organization. Um, so that's where the whole concept of servant leadership turns leadership around and you are there to take care of those people on the front line. And whether it's the resources, the tools, the education, the development, um, and it, it's just a turn in that uh, perspective. And I think that that is one of the caveats that I, I pretty much lived by when I was running my business and running my organizations was always looking at the people that are working for you and asking them questions. What's going on? Find out um, not only from an operation perspective, but learning who they are and how can you help them grow. Um, and also their creativity is pretty powerful. If you take the time to listen to people that are working on the front lines, they have all the ideas of how to change and improve the operation so that it's better for them, but it's overall better for the operation as well. And um, I, I would always say to my leaders, have you asked, did you ask what some ideas were on how we could fix this problem? I can't fix it. I, I don't know. The people out there in the field are the ones that know. Believe me, they know. And they've already come up with all the creative ideas to fix it. Um, you just have to stop and listen. And that's part that's that's a small piece of it, but it is part of servant leadership. Yeah, and one of the things that that jumped out there is, and again, you talk about there's levels to this thing. Um, and that, and as I study in from course to course, and in, in my being a first year uh, PhD student in organizational leadership, there are so many facets. And one of the ones, the underlying ones, you talk just that responsibility as a leader, like 
not believing you have to do it all yourself, but what does it look like to be have shared leadership in, in, in an organization? And I really believe there comes in, there's an element in, as a part of sharing the position of leadership or that power, or that authority. And it really comes from, you know, how emotionally connected you are, um, not only to the work you do, but to the people um, that you do it with. And, and there's something to uh, you also studied. Uh, and it was last week we had um, a couple gentlemen on talking about their work with emotional intelligence. But how does emotional intelligence and in, in play into this? I'll stack these questions on you. How does it play in? <laughs> but also, what are someone's first next steps to, again, practice being an emotional intelligent leader? Well, emotional intelligence, you could spend, um, and I'm sorry, I didn't listen to last week. I wish I had. I didn't realize. <laughs> um, emotional intelligence is, um, for me, it is learning more about who I am. And I would say over the many years, I've taken every different profile you can think of, everybody, Whenever you get an opportunity to take a profile to learn more about yourself, it's valuable. And I know that there's always a little bit of controversy on whether it's really telling you something. Well, it's telling you whatever you told it. It's, it's just really taking an algorithm and, and matching it back and saying, well, this is what you're saying about yourself. But having an understanding of who you are, I believe, is so important. Because you have to, you have to know where your strengths and weaknesses are, and you have to know how to manage both your strengths and weaknesses. And if you are solid in understanding those, then you have that ability to relate to other people. And and I always caution whenever you're taking some sort of a profile. Be careful not to pigeonhole people. Be wide open and understanding and use that knowledge that you have about, you know, whether it's DISC or MBTI or what all of the ones that are out there. Um, but understanding yourself so that you can open your eyes and be accepting and understanding of those people who are in front of you. Who is your audience? And really, that's how you build those relationships. It's not being fake, it's being authentic and knowing who you are and how you can relate to other people. And knowing that will help to motivate other people. Knowing what drives individuals. Um, being a great, and I'm going to talk this, I'm sure, but being a great listener is opening your ears and closing your mouth and just taking it in. You have to listen to be able to understand how you're reacting to that person or what's really going on with them. Um, and that really helps if they, if a person feels listened to and understood then they are going to be a little more uh, able to build that relationship with you and their performance will improve their overall commitment and loyalty to your organization is going to improve. So they're, 
there's all these pockets that you could go into from an emotional intelligence perspective. There is a ton of research that you can go out there and gather, whether it's reading Coleman's original book, which is simple to the point. I had a wonderful opportunity to go to a conference with him many, many years ago, which was fabulous. And it really opened my eyes and kind of really um, ignited and excited me about emotional intelligence and how you can learn more about yourself and be more relatable to other people. Um, yeah, I can go on and on and on talk about that. <laughs> that no. kind of is top level. But, but, I, but I love where you went first, right? It, it starts with you, right? If you don't, if you as a, a practitioner or a leader of people or even trying to get better at uh, creating some different behaviors in your life, if you don't start with you, with the understanding of your quarks, um, how can you even posture or position yourself to, to even want or desire to learn someone else's, right? With that, without it being, you know, kind of seemingly inauthentic and, and kind of fake, if you will. And, and I love what you particularly, you, you began describing something that I've defined as the introduction of empathy. And, and if uh. you can't empathize with yourself or help others empathize when you're having a hard time, right? 2020, I think, provided us all, all a gift. In, in all the tragedy, there, there's the, the coaching reframe of what did it teach us? And I really believe something you said, and I love the way you said it, um, and I'm going to repeat it for the people in the back of the room, is when you're listening to someone, shut your mouth and listen. Listen for the heart of them, right? Listen for the right. thing. And in leadership, that intuitiveness and coaching, that intuitiveness of what aren't they saying? Because you're present, what's their body saying that their mouth isn't? They're saying they're fine, but really their head is like, I'm fine. Like, And, and you're not hearing it through the cracking of the voice or the tear rolling down their cheek. And you're like, all right, great job. Get back at it. Right. right. And, and so I think those are the thing, the elements, that emotional part that and I, Dr. Gloria, I'm I'm starting to understand that a lot of the workforce and business taboos were challenged in 2020, particularly around how to show up for each other and hold space. And now as a requirement, people are like, no, see me, hear me, yeah. understand me. And if if you if you if it's infallible for you to understand me, at least God dog it, be able to hold space. <laughs> be able to hold space. And so when you think about that as a practice, what makes that something worth studying as it pertains to transformational leadership? Oh, you and I really get into this subject. <laughs> um, transformational leadership, of course, that, that was part of my dissertation for my doctorate. And I was looking at it from a different perspective because I have such respect for the concept of transformational leadership and really full range leadership, which encompasses transformational leadership transactional as well as laissez-faire. Um, but the transformational piece that I felt that I tried really hard to practice 
in the business world, I thought was important uh, for an understanding in the classroom. So that learning, um, the deep dive that you do when you're working on your dissertation, I took it and really analyzed how I was doing as a leader with my organization. Um, and when you're looking at theories, they're so black and white. It's just amazing how, uh, for instance, idealized influence attributes. Well, oh, that sounds real, <laughs> really nice. I was like, what does that mean? Um, and, and that's where people are confused about um, taking a theory and then applying it in the business world. And I really like all five of the transformational leadership pieces because they are applicable, but they're not as hard as you might think. And that one, the um, attribute is just being trustworthy. You're a leader, um, speak the speak, articulate what is your vision, um, a lot of times we as leaders, for, we just assume everybody knows what they're doing here. And you just have to set the vision and make sure everybody knows what it is and be clear. The other is idealized influence, but now we're talking behaviors. And that's where you are ethical, and moral in your conduct as a leader, you you outline a sense of purpose. You help people understand what is your purpose. When you come to work and you really don't have a purpose for why you're there, you are going to be one lost person. You're not going to be happy. You have to help people understand what the purpose is of their role. And then also, what are the consequences of their decisions that they make. When you are running that, if you do, if you have a mistake, what what's going to happen? And that takes you to the next, which is motivation, inspirational motivation. And that is really helping people. Um, it's going back to the emotional intelligence a little bit. Um, and you'll see theories. If you do a lot of studying on theories, you're going to see them overlapping. And you're like, wait, well, wait, wait. I remember talking about that in emotional intelligence. What? Wait, wait. You know, same with the servant leadership. You name it, you're going to see those similarities or overlaps. Um, and that's where you're going to have it here. But it's how do you, you gain and contribute to an emotional attachment to the organization and what you're trying to do? And you have to make it simple. Again, almost like the vision you have to have that connection and help people understand what that is. And that is where what I think is one of the most important things is outlining the expectations of what the job is. If you don't outline the expectations, um, you're leaving that up to the person to interpret. So what happens when they think, oh, I'm doing a rocking job, I'm really, really making it happen. And you're like, what's the matter with you? And they're like, what? You didn't tell me. I didn't know. So you, it's it's real important. Those expectations are super clear. Um, and then back to the last one, you can make sure the consequences are clear if those expectations are not met. 
Next one is intellectual stimulation. That one, I, I've already referenced it. It is getting in there and understanding your people and getting them to tell you more about what they think should be done creatively. You're stimulating their creativeness. Um, that's really, really super important to connect to that because that that's a force. That is a huge force in your business. It's untapped most of the time. I can't tell you how many people sit in my office, especially when I was in college program. These are students from all over property and they're like, they won't listen to me. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Okay. So let's do another approach. And I want to just go, you leaders need to listen, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. And then the last, um, obviously, of the five is individualized consideration. And that is where you're coaching. You have learned who those people are. They know, you as a leader know how to nudge them and push them, but not push them over the edge. That is a very fine line dance that you have to do. And it is being open and transparent, um, honest, but tactful. And those are, and also knowing um, a whole side note is the whole concept of um, dealing with someone that might be um, negative, how do you handle that? Because as leaders, we're not armed with knowledge and skills on how to deal with conflict. And that is critical. If you are a leader, it's real important to get yourself some education and some understanding of how you deal with conflict and what are some tools and resources that you could use to get better at it. Because you can't avoid it. You've got to, as we go back and look, you need to have the outline those expectations and hold people accountable um, and conflict is going to happen. So you need to know real well how to deal with that. I'll tell you what, Dr. Gloria, every single one of those elements has been a coaching topic and it with some of my later clients, oh, like yeah. every single one. And, it, and like you said, they all are in support of becoming this transformational leader. And here's the crazy part there's no arrival. There's just the ebbs and flows and you being able to, like you said, utilize a form of leadership that the moment needs. And that, and I really believe as you flow through full range leadership and as I've been studying it in that transformational transactional and laissez faire, it's, can you be what the moment needs? And, and I really believe as a leader and you said it, a lot of times there's no there's no capacity or, or skill there that hasn't been developed. And one of the things that me and you uh, we, we joke, joke about is uh, if if you are getting leadership development training um, after being in the position, ah, it's too late. But it's OK now that you're getting it. Let's keep, <laughs> keep going. Um, but but one of the things you really flushed out there, particularly around conflict, because, again, the things that I believe 2020 uh, and now early parts of 2021 have allowed us to dig into is our ability to engage others well. And, and one of the biggest topics um, that I've talked about with several leaders this year and actually working on a project 
around this, this idea of psychological safety and how do you introduce that as a leader tool? Um, and I love Amy Edmondson, who again, who she, when you see here psychological safety, people thinks, you know, you need to, you know, wear your sash of rainbows, unicorns, and pixie dust. And there <laughs> it could be, and there's absence of conflict. No, but the total opposite. It's actually, you're having conflict in a great way, right? Your, your excellence is still a value in psychologically safe spaces, but it's saying, hey, engage each other. You don't have to be disrespectful, but right. it, it, it allows disagreement. It should be in business, right? There shouldn't be just herd mentality of, all right, I guess we'll do it and lose money at the same time. No, there could be conflict without being disrespectful to each other or being demeaning. Um, and so it just allows leaders to be able to engage in a space where um, there's just a difference of opinion. And when you think about um, the, the data that a leader um, collects from day to day business wise, what is it about? feedback that that's important as we navigate this next normal? Um, I think that goes back to feedback is so important. Um, and it, it tends to be one of those subjects that is overlooked or I, I don't have time for that. You know, oh, I, and I know as a leader, when I was a new leader, I was going at warp speed warp speed and somebody would say oh we need to go do whatever and I'm like I don't have time for that and you know I would move on and it wasn't until after years of learning and years of taking the time to learn more about myself that I realized that people were not giving me clear transparent feedback and I came up with a, a whole concept that as a new leader, there are five real main keys that's real important for you to, to keep in mind. And some of these I've already talked a little bit about. One was training, making sure the people that you have in your organization are trained well, and that you're taking real good care of the trainers. They know how to train. They've got the tools and resources to do the job. And then how are you checking for that knowledge and that understanding? Um, the next is, I talked too much about it, but expectations. What is expected of this role now that you're in it? The next is, make sure that person has the tools and resources to get the job done that you just had them train it. If you're not supplying the tools and resources, you're kind of leaving them empty handed and they cannot accomplish what your expectations are. Then the next one, the next two are where the feedback comes into play. N number four is empower and observe. Empower people to do the job. You just trained them. You've given them everything they need. Now get out of their way and let them do their job. And, but you cannot forget you as a leader, your job is to observe. Well, you don't have to be crazy about it, be in the corner and watching them like a hawk. Some people freak out about that. Um, and I would always tell people, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to watch the operation. I want to see how everything is running. And that is what I also taught my leaders. You have to be still 
for a moment. You must observe. And the only way to observe is take a deep breath and watch. And you can't overreact to the moment either. What if you're standing there when chaos is happening? Well, that may not be the other 99% of the moments that are around it. So you have to observe on a regular basis. But that observing needs to have the last piece, which is feedback. You need to be getting back with people and talking to them and coaching and giving them those subtle nudges that you need to keep them along. You don't want to, I don't want it to sound like you're, you're keeping them in a straight line because then that hampers creativity. But you want to make sure that you're saying to, hey, Gloria Hardy, I saw you handle that guest the other day or a few moments ago because you want to make sure it's quickly. Um, and I thought you did a great job. You were smiling with them. You took care of their problem. And thank you very much. You did a great job with that. And you move on. Now, if somebody needs some help and some guidance, you ask them. So tell me a little more about how you were trained when you're handling this type of situation. Did that feel right? Would you do it differently? And you go into coaching mode. You don't go into, you must do it this way, this way, this. <laughs> you go into, how could you have done it different? Have you ever seen any of your peers do it differently? What worked? What didn't work? And mind you, coaching takes longer. However, if you're helping that person discover how to do it better, they're going to be more inclined to do it, to remember it, and it's coming from within. It's not just coming from outside and bouncing off their body, and then the next time they'll do it the same way they did before, and you're going to be going back around that circle again. Most people know what's best inside. They just have to bring it. You have to be that leader to help bring it out. Now, if you're dealing with a safety situation, the first thing somebody's going to say is, but what if it's a safety issue? Well, yeah, we do kind of get excited as a leader, but don't forget you can be excited and you can be um, forceful and to the point, but then don't forget to pull them aside, coach them and do the same thing. I'm I know that I came off as harsh. I know that that feedback was hard to hear. It was for your safety, but let's talk about this. Let's talk about also how you would like your feedback in the future. Because everybody likes it a little different. So again, it goes back to emotional intelligence. You have to learn what motivates that person. What, how do you connect with them? And how do you Build that relationship so that you have that transparent conversation in future opportunities. Man, there, there is so much there, Dr. Glory. And uh, those of you who are watching live and those who watch the replay, um, I hope you have a notepad uh, because I, I got notes uh, for all the trainings and different things I got going. Uh, definitely will be citing this podcast. Um, but, the, but the nuggets there, particularly around, um, those just aren't new leader things. Those are leader things that you need to check back in on. Because I found even in my career, as, as I upskill and as I gather more knowledge, it's the fundamentals. Like I believe those are the foundational things that if that base isn't solid and then you build the structure up from, from having these things as strengths, 
and or at least working on them to be strengths, then then you're always going to have holes in the game. And one of the biggest things I love that you said there is there there are always going to be those it depends moments. But one thing you said, it's the follow up. Right. Yes. It's, it's not the OK, that needed to be said. Well, if I don't understand why, then you just look like a butthead. That's like that. That's what it looks like. You, you just bit my head off and right. walked away. But if you bite my head off and say, OK, next time you're about to lose an eyeball. Right. Like th- like that's why I had to do it. Like here are the nuances of what I did, why I did and what what gave me notification that that bad thing was about to happen. Right. And so those are the things it's always find an opportunity to not only be a coach, but a teacher. And also, if you're an immediate leader of people, you're all you're automatically put into a role of of mentor of that direct team who's under you of making sure that they have the skills to succeed with or without you like that. I think that's the part of business um, in this next reality that a lot of folks have are are coming to grips with. And they're almost having uh, adult tantrums as it pertains to. You mean I actually have to allow people to be great without me? Yeah, ego. Get get, get out of the way. (laughs) Well, and and my answer to leaders Mm -hmm. that felt that way, I would say, do you want to stay in your role for the rest of your life? And they would look at me funny and I said, don't. You should be grooming somebody to come up and take your place. You want somebody to come take your place. Because you need to get on and up out of this role. So start thinking about those people that are out Mm -hmm. there and the development that they need so they can take your place so you can move on, dude. There you go. There you go. And I and I and thank you, thank you for that affirmation because I always tell tell my audience and tell folks that I train, uh, if you're the only one that can do your job, you're not promotable. Exactly. Oh, that's such a classic. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Single point of failure and island of excellence. Go ahead. Oh, oh very right. nice. That's that thing, right? So thank you so much. Golly, I can't believe this time has flew by. Um, just I love when we get the opportunity to get together. We de- you're you have a residency here. Anytime oh, you want to get you. off, get something I off your it. chest. Or, or you give when you, me another the, subject. You know oh, I can talk your head off. I'm, hey, it's all good. I and you know I'm here for it. I am here for it. Well, I tell you what, um, Doctor Glory, I don't want to hoard you. I don't want to hoard you at all. So how can people get a hold of you, connect with you? I'm going to share your LinkedIn stuff, but if there are other ways, Absolutely. please tell people how to get a hold of you. Absolutely, you're welcome to get a hold of me through LinkedIn. Um, I can give you my email address. Um, it is Gloria dot hardy five eight at gmail.com more than welcome to reach out uh, love to chat i i it's my passion love coaching love chatting about leadership um you name it i'm probably up for the for the conversation <laughs> i love it uh, thank you so much for this opportunity. And for those of you out there who, uh, again, you better connect with Dr. Gloria. Um, but before you can't contact her anymore, like a Brene Brown or something, because uh, she's she's on her way and I am riding the wave uh, because I'm so glad she's a part of my leader community. I'm somebody I'm going to be reaching out to when I get to the dissertation part oh, of yeah. my PhD. 
um, so I can dig into some stuff. Um, and so for those of you out there, if, again, if you're watching live or you're watching the replay, continue to follow those in our community, our speakers, and reach out to all their resources and all things out there. And as always, continue to be humble, open, and transparent in everything you do. Until next time, folks, be well, be safe, uh, and we'll be seeing you soon. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please be sure to subscribe across our eight different podcast locations. Until next time, folks, continue to be humble, open, and transparent. Be good to people and actions over ideas always win.